0: jaycastnetwork.org
1: Shalom and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Today we will be learning Yoma 67. Today's Daf begins with a Mishnah that continues the narrative of how the scapegoat was brought to the cliff from which it was pushed to its death. One clause of the Mishnah describes the crimson thread that was tied to the horns of the scapegoat. And I quote from the Mishnah, he divided the crimson thread, half of it he tied to a rock and half of it he tied between its horns. The connection between sins and the colors crimson or scarlet can be found in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. The Gemara asks numerous questions about the positioning of the thread. Why isn't the entire thread tied to the rock? The answer was that if the thread turns white very quickly, signifying the forgiveness of Israel's sins, the appointed person who is bringing the scapegoat to the cliff may become so excited at the forgiveness of Israel's sins that he may not push the scapegoat off the cliff. Another question, why doesn't he tie the entire thread to the horns of the scapegoat? The answer was if the thread was tied in this way, then it would be difficult to even see the color of the thread change. Thus, the thread was tied to both the scapegoat and the rock, giving the person accompanying the scapegoat time to see the color of the thread change, but also avoiding a situation in which he might not go through with the entirety of the ritual. Many people mistakenly understand Yom Kippur to be a sad day. While Yom Kippur is a serious day, it is not a sad day. In addition, it is still a Yom a festival day, and the Gemara addressed this tension. The following source was brought. Our Rabbis taught, in the beginning, Barishona, they would tie the thread of crimson wool on the entrance of the ulam on the outside. The ulam was the hole leading to the interior of the temple, so the thread was tied on the outside of this entrance. If it became white, they rejoiced. If it did not become white, they were sad and ashamed. Thereupon, they arranged to tie it to the entrance of the ulam on the inside, But they were still peeking through, uh, and if it became white, they rejoiced. Whereas if it did not become white, they grew sad and ashamed. Thereupon they they arranged to tie one half to the rock and the other half between its horns. This source illustrates how the Yom Kippur ritual was shaped by the behavior of the people. The goal was clear. To use the thread to signify the acceptance of atonement, but the suspense, joy, and sadness associated with this thread affected people's behavior. As a result of this behavior, the placement of the thread was changed in order to minimize disruption of the holiday. Sadness and shame had no place in in the observance of Yom Kippur since it was still a Yom Tov, a joyous festival. Another source is then brought, which emphasized the connection between the crimson thread and atonement, although it offered a somewhat different description of the development of the ritual. Rabbi Nachum, the son of Papa, said the name of Rabbi Eliezer Hakapar. Originally, Barushona, they used to tie the thread of crimson wool to the entrance of the ulam on the inside, and as soon as the goat reached a wilderness, it turned white. Then they knew that the commandment concerning it had been fulfilled, as it is said, if your sins be as crimson, they shall be as white wool. The Mishnah also described in vivid detail what happened to the scapegoat after it was pushed off the cliff. And I quote, He then pushed it over backward and it rolled down the ravine, and it did not reach halfway down the mountain before it broke into pieces. The Gomorrah asked a very practical question. Is it permissible to gain benefit from these pieces of the scapegoat? Two answers were brought. No surprise there. One permitting benefit and the other prohibiting benefit. The Gemara was not satisfied with these answers. Rather, it wanted to know what are the underlying reasons behind these opinions? Why does someone prohibit and why does someone permit gaining benefit? At the center of the discussion were the two words wilderness, bamidbar, and cut off gizera both of which occur in the biblical description of the scapegoat ritual. The opinion that permitted gaining benefit from the animal parts emphasized the word wilderness. Anything that is in the wilderness is available for anybody to use. The opinion that prohibited gaining benefit from the animal parts emphasized the word off, understanding it to signify prohibition, that is, the prohibited nature of the animal parts the Gomorrah continued to discuss the scapegoat and brought one of the most important source sources found in Talmudic literature about the nature of the mitzvot, the commandments. Our rabbis have taught on Tanaitic authority, my ordinances you shall perform, quoting Leviticus chapter 18, verse 4. This refers to such matters that were they not written in the Torah, it would be a matter of compelling logic that they be written. And these are... Their prohibitions against idolatry, illicit sexual relations, bloodshed, robbery, and blasphemy. And continuing with quoting from Leviticus 18.4, And my statutes you shall keep. This refers to such matters against which the Satan brings objections, and these are they. The prohibition against eating pork, the prohibition against wearing mixed fabrics, shatnes, the right of removing the shoe to sever the relationship of a deceased child's brother's wife to a surviving brother, chalitza. The purification of the person afflicted with the skin ailment, mitzora, And the right of sending away the, the goat, the scapegoat on Yom Kippur. Might you imagine that these rites are empty rituals? Scripture states, I am the Lord. I have made a decree and you have no right to, th- no right to think about it too deeply. This midrash presents the two categories of mitzvot: chukim and mishpatim. Mishpatim are those laws that if God hadn't written them down in the Torah, they should have been written, later understood to mean that human reason would have been able to come up with them. These are often referred to as rational commandments, such as the prohibitions of idolatry, idolatry, bloodshed, or robbery. On the other hand, chukim are mitzvot that human reason would not have been able to come up with, such as the prohibition against eating pork and the scapegoat. These commandments are subject to ridicule and derision. But are these empty rituals? No. Their origin is also in God's commandment. This distinction between chukim and mishpatim was an important component of the Jewish philosophical discussion regarding ta'ameh ha-mitzvot, the reasons for the commandments. During the Middle Ages, there were two schools of thought. One of them was of the opinion that it was within human reason to reach an understanding of the reasons for all of the mishpatim, while the reasons for the chukim were beyond our rational faculties. On the other hand, others, notably Maimonides, felt that human reason is also able to attain an understanding of the chukim, those commandments that the Midrash described as being ridiculed, while this midrash included the scapegoat among those perplexing commandments that were difficult to understand, the rabbis of the Talmud were more than willing to discuss the significance of this ritual for the atonement of Yom Kippur. Thank you for listening to the Daily Daff Differently,
0: and I hope that you tune in to tomorrow's Daf. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daff Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros, from the Epic album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.